Hi there. Welcome to the Market Maven podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Dylan Jensen, a fashion designer turned farmer's market director, a social media specialist, and small business advocate. In this podcast, we peel back the layers of farmer's markets, diving into the why behind the 10 by 10 tents, showcasing the roots behind the organizations, and connecting those in our communities through education, stories, and more. Tune in this season to learn about how my job is weird, but worth it, bringing produce and powerful stories to the people. Hello and welcome to episode number 33 of the Market Maven podcast. I just got done recording a couple of stories that said I wasn't going to make this or I didn't think that this was going to be enough for a podcast episode, but the more I thought about it and the more I wanted to share my thoughts about the things that I said in my stories, the more I figured, well, why not? Because if you watched my stories, you would know that I made a mistake and that mistake elaborated out is that for the first time in 32 episodes, something went wrong with my recording. I don't know if I hit a button incorrectly, but what were seemingly two fantastic interviews ended up not being so, or they were at least fantastic from the interviewee standpoint, but you could not hear any of the questions that I was asking. And I am so bummed and I'm a bit embarrassed, but at the same time, like I said in my stories, things happen. I am not a recording and sound equipment expert, nor is that something that I even aspire to be even with now 33 episodes of my podcast. It is still just not something that I can fully wrap my head around and I've gotten some tips and help and Trent, if you're listening, I know you're still working on that audio file, but shit happens. Like, I am no expert and I shouldn't be expected to be an expert. Not that I'm saying any of you do, but it happens. It's a mistake. That's why it is a mistake that just happened. It's not on purpose. It's not intentional. And something that I thought was very interesting was one of the interviews that I will likely have to re-record is with... Eric. And when we got to that question of if you had the attention of the whole world for a few moments, what would you say? And he said, like, make mistakes and fail big, because those are the areas where you get to learn. And that just really resonated with me as I'm sitting here trying to edit this podcast episode that didn't end up actually working out. I failed. And it's okay. It's one of those things that I'm going to learn from and now probably check my files a little bit more, especially when it's an episode that I'm really excited about. And maybe I won't get ahead of myself and share social media graphics about an upcoming episode when I haven't actually edited it yet. It's worked 32 times or 31 times prior to this, but it didn't work this time. And that's okay. Because this podcast is really about me telling stories and helping to tell stories of vendors and small business owners. And I think of all the people who can understand the most when something just happens that you weren't expecting, it would be small business owners. And this is a outlet for me to be creative and to tell the stories and to just kind of expand and find another way to draw people into supporting locals. So I'm still doing that. This might just be a little bit of a blip on the radar and I get to see some of my friends again. So that's even that's even better. 
maybe the second episode or the re-recorded episode will be even better than what our first one was. Or maybe this is my chance to go back and say some of the things that I wanted to say afterthoughts, you know, things that the more I thought about it, the more I could have elaborated on something. So say lovey. It is what it is. It's the holiday season. I'm not even supposed to be working all that hard, but I am, of course. And I'm just going to give myself grace. That leads me into, and I know that some people have heard me talk about it, warrior goddess training. I did that in October and November, and it is really just a self-help kind of course that really dives into the internal that really focuses on the individual and the gifts that we have and the strategies that we have been using our entire lives to get through, whether that's controlling or isolating, those types of things. Yes, there's some negative, there's some negative connotations of those things, but flipping all of those scripts around to realize the gifts that we do have and the blessings that we do have and the ways that we can make ourselves more in tune with the universe and others and speaking our truth and seeking the truth and just living from that place of authenticity and just truly opening up to who we really are, who we've always been. I mean, I've heard a quote before that says like every everybody that you ever have and will be is inside of you right now. And that's pretty powerful. So along with that, I took an anti-New Year's resolution challenge. So for the past seven days, I have been doing daily worksheets and listening to about a 10 to 12 minute video with Heather Ash Amara, who is the author of Warrior Goddess Training and many other self-help, self-guidance type of books. And one of the last kind of sessions that we had was about self-soothing and self forgiveness. So when we make mistakes, instead of letting those inner judges and critics get all, you know, in our heads being like, you're so stupid. I can't believe you did that. The example she gave was locking your keys in your car. Like, I can't believe you're so dumb that you did that again. It's taking a step back and saying, gosh, that sucks. What do we do now? And not getting pulled into the negativity. And anybody that's listened to my podcast knows that the people in the last few minutes where I ask them what they would share to the world is kindness. And we're very quick to want to share kindness with other people or feel that we should share kindness with other people. But we are rarely in a mindset where we want to share kindness with ourselves, regardless of what it's about. And so, This anti-resolution challenge has helped me be a little bit less controlling, that's my core strategy, and let go of outcomes that I no longer have control of. I can spend the rest of my evening editing and torturing myself and trying to make something sound good, or I could reach out to Will and to Eric and say, hey, I messed up. I'm no expert in this. I prefaced all of this podcasting stuff with I'm no expert in this and we're going to have to get together again, which will be fun. I get to see you again. And maybe this time we'll like go have lunch or something afterwards because we get to do it all over again. So I'm just kind of imploring you, especially with the holidays right now, give yourself some grace, give yourself permission to have mistakes be okay. Nothing, 
needs to be perfect. And truly, nothing ever will be perfect. You striving for that is only going to run you into the ground and make you tired and not allow you to enjoy this beautiful life that we have in this beautiful season, this beautiful season of stillness and peace and joy. So that was my message pretty much surrounding the podcast and why there wouldn't be the episode that I had planned for this week. Next up, I shared a little bit about an event that I went to observe last week. And I don't necessarily have to be as vague about it on the podcast as I did with my story. However, I still want to be somewhat respectful, even though the person that I'm referring to is very rarely respectful to anybody else that that they deal with. So long story, kind of shorter, is that a person decided to put on an event that was very similar to a holiday market. That's at least what it was being called. And it was in a footprint that I think anybody as an event planner or somebody that works in Snohomish could tell you that it wasn't really going to work, but it was advertised as this big thing. There was an admission charge. And me being who I am and having the experience that I do almost a decade under my belt of running events, saw many, many red flags in this. And given the relationship that I've had with this person over the last year or two, I'm not going to go offer my advice. The person probably wouldn't take it anyways, but ticket sales and, you know, lack of real vendor space and all of that kind of stuff. And just overly cramming in as many possible things into this event as possible. I just knew that it was probably not going to end up well, but that didn't mean that I wished them ill. I just wanted to see, I guess, the shit show take place. So that's what I did. And everything that I could have predicted happened. Here's the thing. I don't ever want my vendors or any vendors to have a bad day. I definitely don't want that to happen ever, but it will happen. And sometimes it's because of a poor event planner. And sometimes it's just because of the time of year or the event venue, any of those types of things. You can't help it. We have been, I have, I have failed miserably at some events that I have tried planning. So I get it. But the simple fact of the matter is this person claims to be an expert in just about everything. They claim to be an expert and know everything. And they are very quick to say that when they are in a group. This person has burned many bridges in town. This person has fought and combated and made hurdles for small businesses to participate in things in town that shouldn't ever be there. All from a place of just know-it-all, of bullying. And honestly, it's really a bummer because in a time where we get bullying through screens and keyboards where we get honking in traffic, where we get frustration at the grocery store or Target or any of those places, the last place we should be getting this type of bullying and know-it-all and just big-headedness is when we are community collaborators, when we are trying to be people that bring customers and visitors and out-of-towners to our small towns, to our events, to support our small businesses It's not about the money. Yes, you should absolutely get paid for your work when you're doing these things. I don't disagree with that. However, 
the main goal should be collaboration, inclusion, community, and happiness and joy. This person continues to disrespect women, specifically women. If you're ever in a room with this person, they will talk right over you. They will downplay your concerns. They will not listen to you. They will not answer questions. So the story that I shared a few weeks ago about knowing your worth as a woman and being okay with sitting in a conference room full of people and not allowing somebody to treat you this way and to stand up for yourself because what came to fruition is sitting there observing this event with many of the women and people that were in this room in the story that I'm referring to back from a couple of weeks ago. All of us felt the same way. And we all looked at each other. Well, why didn't you say something? Well, why didn't you say something? We definitely said some things, but we didn't say the something that was on all of our minds, which was, can this person just shut the hell up? Can this person just be put in their place so that we no longer have to listen to the rambling and the same old storybook track that keeps getting played over and over and over at any of these collaboration meetings? So it was kind of interesting, intriguing, satisfying to see this event not come to fruition. And the hope, I think the collective hope was that, well, maybe this will make this person believe and understand that they have more to learn and perhaps this will make them a collaborator. And the collective consensus with the people that were there observing was that no, it won't. This person is a narcissist. This person is a bully, like I've said. And this person will still believe that everything happened to make this event not a success. And anything that contributed to that was not their fault. That's another thing that I've learned in this Warrior Goddess training and the anti resolution challenge is that you can't just play victim all the time. At some point in time, you have to take responsibilities. Now, there are definitely outside factors. However, you learn from those going forward. And what happens when you don't learn is that you are a narcissist. Narcissists don't learn from behavior. They just simply revert to a victim mentality. And that's really a bummer to have to deal with. It's really a bummer to have to be up against uh, going into market season for the rest of the people that have events coming up in Snohomish this time of year, you know, it's a, it's a combatant mode. And I'm really sorry that this person feels this way and feels the need to treat people this way. Lastly, on my Sarah's random rantings episode, which I think is what we're going to call this, is part of another challenge that I'm doing is the 75 self-love challenge, which is this kind of random yogi fat person that I found on social media. And I signed up for her four week fat yoga for beginners course. And I just finished that last week and really, really loved it. But she had a bundle and she also had a 75 day self love challenge. I don't generally like challenges, but all of these that I'm mentioning kind of hit a nerve with me because they are bite sized, they are easy to digest. They're easy to make time for because they don't take very long. The anti-resolution challenge, I mean, that was 
you know, 10 to 15 minutes and some journaling, which is something that I've been trying to do. The 75 self-love is less than 10 minutes, plus a few extras, again, like journaling or meditation or taking a couple of breaths outside. So these are bite-sized things. And if anybody has listened to all of my podcast episodes, you know that I have suffered from disordered eating and compulsive exercise disorder, I guess you can call it, for many, many years. And for the last three, I have been working very, very hard on unraveling all of those awful habits that I picked up and the ways that I treated myself and my body. Now, that also means the pendulum swung almost completely the other way, where I don't exercise very frequently. I have a rowing machine, but even then, I started noticing behaviors that led to compulsive exercise by counting meters and seeing how fast I got and seeing if I could beat my previous time and those types of things. And when those behaviors rear their heads, I will take a step back. I have learned to somewhat self-soothe by just removing myself from the situation altogether. It gets into far too dangerous of a road of me going down that path of over-exercising and trying to beat myself. And ultimately what happens is I end up hating that particular thing. I don't want to hate rowing. I don't want to hate anything, but there are exercises that I just can't do right now because it's just too much. So that pendulum has swung and yoga is very, very scary to me. That is something that has always been very scary to me simply because I'm not flexible. I never have been even when I was in the best shape of my life. So 75 Self-Love collaborates yoga and meditation and journaling and taking some deep breaths of air outside and just some reading. So I'm in day six, I think it is. The other thing I like about this challenge is that it's not 75 hard. I don't believe in that. I think that that is extremely restrictive and it's one of those things where you're just setting yourself up for the and then. You get through 75 hard, you did it, and then you likely won't keep most of those habits because they were so hard. To anybody that's done it, like I commend you, I respect you, you've got to do what's right for you. 75 hard is not something that is right for me, nor will it ever be in my life. But 75 self-love, all of the things that I've already listed, plus the reading. Now, the reading is what I want to talk about. This person, uh, Tiffany Crow Yoga, the fat yogi, she has recommended three different books and part of our daily basically ritual is to do 10 minutes of reading. So I picked one that was called Atomic Habits because I do deeply want to create some routines around movement for joy, around journaling, you know, continuing on with my warrior goddess practice and continuing on with this anti-resolution challenge, those types of things. Um, getting outside, being in tune with nature. These are all things that I want to build into my routines. Yoga is another one. I actually can do a couple of poses and really yoga is just breathing. So I figure it can't be too difficult. Anyways, one of the books is Atomic Habits. And I had never heard of this before, but the reviews online just are rave. I mean, they rave about it. 10-star reviews, New York Times, all that kind of stuff. Good, good, good. Great, great, great. All that kind of stuff. So I dove headfirst into it. I got it on Audible and I listened to three or four chapters yesterday, probably about two hours worth of the book. And 
there were some moments, I mean, right off the bat, there were some moments that just feel icky. And I realize that somebody listening might say, oh, you know, breaking old habits or breaking bad habits can feel icky and it's difficult, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But the underlying tone, the book is read by the author, James Clear, but the underlying tone is just very much in line with the person I was referring to in the little previous segment here, narcissistic. It's very mansplainy. I started diving into some reviews, just, you know, typing the author's name or the title of the book and like what I didn't like about it into Google. And I was validated. And it just kind of has been circling around in my head of within a few moments, I was, I guess you could say, triggered by the book. I felt icky. I felt a little cringy about the way he put things. But I didn't trust myself. I thought, okay, this is just me being resistant to, you know, some of the language that he's using, specifically around diet culture. He is, I mean, every example that he gives about habits, at least one of the examples has to be about weight loss, bulking up, or good and bad food choices. Now, I'm not here to go on a diet culture or anti-diet culture rant here, or maybe I am. I don't know. Good and bad are not words you can use to describe food. There is no good food. There is no bad food. They don't have souls. There are things that might agree with your body more. There are things that might agree with your body less, but that's for you and your body and you and your brain to work out. Food doesn't have a soul. And oftentimes, healthier foods are very restrictive as far as access in marginalized communities. So when we start labeling things good and bad, you're talking about things that some people are only able to afford with the paychecks that they make. So when we start making food good and bad and healthy and green and organic, all of that kind of stuff, it just puts mislabels on food. Cookies are not bad. Eating a thousand of them, that might be kind of a bad situation, but the cookies themselves aren't bad. If food brings you joy because it's something you enjoy with your family and you enjoy with your friends, there is nothing wrong with it. People will add everything in moderation or watch your calories or resets and all that kind of stuff. And I just have done the research and I have done the work for three years to know that that's not true. Your body doesn't reset. It's there. It's always been there and it always will be there. The things that you did to it when it was 16 are still with you. And I learned that through an eating disorder counselor. So the fact that this book is talking about habits and every habit happened to be about weight loss and bulking up and blah, 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 blah. He also goes on to talk about how he's never had a hard time following routines and things that are quote unquote good for him. So then why is he an expert that's telling me about it? Simply because he's lived a life of privilege and ability to keep himself organized. He also doesn't have hormones obviously raging one time per month. So how are you going to talk to me about my body and what it needs? 
or my mind and what it needs. I think of people that have ADHD or depression or neurodivergency of any kind, and the way that they build habits is far different than the way that this book might suggest. Now, there's helpful nuggets, absolutely. But the graphs, he makes very clear that he is not a scientist in the beginning, but then goes on and on to say how often his research is based in science. So it's very contradictory. And I guess circling back to my original point of feeling cringy within a few moments of just listening to it, I didn't like it per se. And I kept listening because surely all of these Google reviews could not be wrong. Surely I'm missing something. And isn't that so crazy how we do that to ourselves? Similar to making mistakes and beating ourselves up about it, isn't it crazy how we don't like something and we continue to do it, or we continue to embrace it, or we continue to just go through the motions of it? Because that's what society is telling us to do or because that's what somebody else is doing, so it must work for me too. Or I'm not going to listen to my own intuition about something. I'm going to go ahead and go with what everybody else says. Even though I'm in my own body, I should be most in tune with my own brain and my own body. So all of this today has kind of come to a head and filled my brain, and I thought, well, I don't have the episode that I was planning on having for this week's Market Maven podcast, maybe I will expand upon these thoughts. I would love to know what you think. I would love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to know if you've read Atomic Habits or if you've done fat yoga or any of these things, or if you know the event I'm talking about from, you know, the story. I would just love to know what your thoughts are and if you're feeling the same way and if this offers any sort of insight or inspiration for you this holiday season to listen to your gut, to know your worth, to understand that you're going to make mistakes, and to not push yourself through the things that you don't want to push yourself through. Hopefully we'll be back next week with one of the interviews that I was really excited to share, and I will talk with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Market Maven podcast. You can find out more about what I do and the markets I manage at www.yourmarketmaven.com. Like what you've listened to? I'm proud to offer my episodes at zero cost and ad-free. Maybe that's worth a cup of coffee to you. Maybe it's worth a couple of bucks just because. I love bringing these stories to you and they take time, energy, and editing. A few dollars to show the love is always appreciated. My Venmo link is in the show notes. See you at the market.